We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. to another episode here of setting the pace and i'm joined by the one and only the fearless Fachi. Fachi, what's going on brother hey living life i think uh i think we're ready to move past last night's game against the pistons probably act like it never happened but it's a fun day as always alex we got some mail to read today yeah we do we had a lot of questions come in very fast i took down the tweet uh, relatively quick because i was afraid we were going to get too many questions and not be able to get to all of them so if you got your question in, awesome. Good job by you. Way to be following on social media during the day. I know it's not always easy, but that'll be uh, awesome. If you guys got your questions in earlier, if you want to send them to me beforehand, say, hey, this is for the next mailbag. Just remind me whenever I put the tweet out, because sometimes I forget. People will send me a, a, a message, Fachi, right after we do a mailbag podcast. And they're like, oh, for the next mailbag, I didn't get my question in time. And I'm like... Remind me the day of I put it out because I will not remember. There's too much time passes, especially now since we're doing them every month instead of every week. Oh, it's true. Someone sent in what I remember as a great question like two weeks ago, but I can't find it in notifications. That's yeah. not even to make it seem like, oh, we're getting so many notifications, but it's just like, you know, <laughs> it, it was a couple of weeks ago at this point. So it, it, I know it's hard to catch that mailbag question right when it comes out. Submit your question over there and, and get it in. But at the same point, to your point, we remember sometimes people used to ask three questions at once and kind of had to cut down a bit. Yeah, no, there's, there's no doubt about it, Fachi. So let's go ahead and jump into this. But first, I, I forgot to say this. I want to thank everybody so much for subscribing to the Substack, Fachi. We've had a handful of people subscribe. If you didn't see the link in the podcast description yesterday when we did our episode on Monday night, it's in there. It's uh, it's highlighted in purple when you go to your Apple podcast or Spotify. It's highlighted in a different color. Check that out. Subscribe. It's free of charge. 
You can get all of our articles there. And we will have this podcast in written format on there in case you wanted to go back and see what we had to say on our mailbag answers. But that is that, Pachi. You want to start, start things off today? Absolutely. So first question, we have Elliot Beaver said, what do you foresee Nemhard and Neesmith's roles next season and beyond? Also, who do you believe ends up being the backup center next year, assuming it's between Ajax or Smith? Uh, please don't have Tice as an option for the Pacers. Yeah, Elliot, thank you so much for sending in this question. I think this is a really fascinating question because there's a lot of different ways you can look at it. I'm going to start here with the last part that you asked me. Who do I think is the backup center? This is tough, but I think it's going to be Jalen smith Fachi. And the reason why I'm going Jalen is because I think he's more similar to what Miles Turner is. And I think that that's just an easy, interchangeable thing. And if the Pacers really want to bolster their roster, I think Isaiah Jackson could be more of a trade chip than Jalen Smith. Now, some fans might not like hearing that, and I'm not saying they're going to trade Ajax. I'm just saying he has a much more value than Jalen because he's on that rookie contract. And he's got a lot of high upside with his ability to block shots like he does and be a lob threat. So that to me is why I think Ajax might not be the backup center. Now, if all of him and Smith are both on the team, then I could probably see Ajax getting a little bit of a chance. But at this point, I think I would lean Smith, even though Ijax started the last couple of games with Miles out. But in, ter- in regards to Nimhard and Neesmith, this is really tough because personally, I can see Nimhard staying in the starting lineup with Halliburton and Mather moving down to the three. And then the Pacers obviously having Miles at the five. And then what do they do at the four position? Now, Aaron Neesmith has been the starting four. I personally think he'll probably go back to the bench. And even if the Pacers do take a four with their uh, draft pick, if it's in the five to eight range, I think you're going to probably see a similar uh, situation that we had with Mather in this year where that draft pick comes off the bench. But I do think that they'll be more aggressive to try to trade for one. So that's why I think Neesmith probably ends up going back to the bench. But um, with TJ McConnell here and the way he's played an impact of this team, I just think that Carlisle likes having the two ball handlers out there and he really needs Nimhard's defense. So I will say Nimhard probably still starts, but I think Neesmith goes to the bench. Okay, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll start with the, the backup center role, uh, just like you did. I'm going Jalen Smith as well, just because I feel like he's more consistent. I feel like when, when Jalen Smith gets 20 minutes, I mean, he's feels like he produces for the most part. And I know recency bias could have you think, well, what about Ajax? He looked good against Detroit. It was like a skeleton roster of Detroit. And also that was a home game for Isaiah with, you know, he had, he had like 60-plus people in attendance. Um, and Detroit's one of the worst teams in the league. Yeah. I just want to see that next layer for Isaiah, which of his game, we haven't seen that this year. Will he develop not even an outside shot? Will he develop a shot? You know, is there more to just catching lobs and blocking shots? I don't know. I, I don't think that he's a four anymore, so it really feels like you kind of have to put him at the five, but you can't just have Jalen Smith out of the rotation. So uh, I'm going to go with Jalen Smith, and then as it relates to – Nemhard, Neesmith, I think both of them will be coming off the bench next year. Mm, and okay. I, I think for Nemhard, I see him as a sixth man. Um, but I also for Neesmith, I feel like he did he did everything he could do a, as a starter this year. And I think he took some great steps forward, but I think that he could be a good part of the second unit next year. But this all all depends on what the Pacers do, you know, trade-wise or mm. draft-wise. And I think that in my head, maybe it's just me being hopeful. I anticipate that they do make a move 
for someone like a John Collins or an OG or a more established player that they could plug in at the four. And then at some point, you got to get Matherin in the starting lineup. What do you do with Buddy Heald? I just feel like for for right now, I could see Nemhard sliding down to a six-man role with Matherin going to the starting lineup. And then Neesmith going to the bench with anticipation that the Pacers bring in a more established four. Yeah, it's really interesting because I I personally think you can kind of transition a little bit easier with bringing Matherin in for Buddy. Have that conversation with Buddy in the Mm -hmm. offseason. Let him know Matherin's going to be starting with Tyrese, and because Buddy's not the defender that Nimhart is, keep Nimhart in there for defensive purposes because, I mean, come on now. What what Nimhart's done defensively, yeah, the offensive struggles have been probably uh, magnified more the last couple of months, but I think if you look at what he's done defensively, you can tell how bad we are without him. So I personally think you put Buddy on the bench with with, uh, TJ McConnell, figure out, you know, if you have TJ, Buddy, Neesmith, and Jalen as your four guys off the bench. Now you're you're trying to find that spot for that third, that fifth person there, Fachi. It could be Jordan Mora. It could be your draft pick. You know, you never know. And that's kind of where they're at. They almost have too many guys, Fach, at this point. I agree. So that's why I could see some consolidation. I didn't even mention Chris Duarte as well. So, you know, moving forward, that's going to be tough. So I think the big question is what do they do with Buddy Hill and what do they do with Chris Duarte? Because trade-wise and, you know, where they put him out in the rotation, I think that's big. Just Buddy seems to be like there's not going to be any answers until you figure that out because he started every single game since he's become a Pacer. He's our Iron Man. Like it's just this guy does not miss time and he's been good. It's not like at any point you could say, Hey, come on, we got it. We got to get Buddy out of this starting lineup. Like it's not working. No, he's been good. He adds that three point capability that the Pacers are looking for. Hey, leading the NBA in threes. So it just feels like until you either get confirmation that he'll go to the bench or you trade him, there's so many questions. And I, I look forward to hopefully figuring that out around draft time. Yeah. And I think another option we didn't really bring up either is you could trade TJ McConnell. I know that sounds crazy, but you know, if you want to move Andrew back to the bench as the backup point guard, you, you maybe bring George Hill back on a cheaper deal and, and let McConnell go elsewhere I know that that they really value McConnell so that probably isn't likely but I could see that as well because they just have such a logjam at the guard position Fachi but um, let's go ahead and move on to the uh, question number two this one comes from Aaron M he said if you could only keep five players from this year's team to bring back next year what players would you choose I'm going Halberton, Matherin, Miles Turner, Buddy Heald, Andrew Nimhart. okay I don't think yeah. I'm going to put Buddy in this. I, okay. I think I agree with the first four. Oh, this is tough. Well, who are you replacing Buddy with? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is where I'm torn. Man, because part of me wants to say Aaron Neesmith. I hear you. I, I just feel like the defensive presence, he's on that rookie contract. He he fits the timeline a little bit better. I understand that that Buddy has been special, but at the same time, we kind of just talked about it. Buddy's kind of in the way. <laughs> oh, he definitely is. So if I had to bring, I mean, I don't want to get rid of Buddy, but I'm just saying I'm probably going to lean Neesmith here over Buddy, but I agree with the first four. It's just tough. I mean, honestly, it's sad that you can't even say Chris Duarte at this point. No, you know, it does hurt. And same with Isaiah Jackson, because I don't think he's developed enough to make you feel that way. And Jalen's been so like hit or miss this season. So it's probably between Buddy and Neesmith. I'm going to lean Neesmith here. 
Okay. Hey, never never hurts to be different. I, I This is one of those fun questions that if you did put up to a poll, I feel like the four that we discussed, Halliburton, Matherin, Turner, Nemhart, I, I feel like those are probably unanimous. That that fifth option is where I think it could be mostly buddy, but then you could see a couple of different names. Nismith's definitely got to be in that category because he's younger. He could still continue to develop, but just kind of going off of what I view as, I guess, this year's top five players, yeah. maybe in terms of production. I would say Isaiah's probably in that conversation for fans as well, just because of the upside. What we, I mean, there's a lot of upside with Isaiah Jackson. I think he's probably got a higher ceiling than Jalen Smith. Yes, yes. And I think he's got a definitely higher ceiling than Buddy Hill at this point. I mean, Buddy's already who he is, you know what I mean? But there's still more interest in what, what Isaiah could become. I don't know if he'll be better, but I just think in terms of like growth-wise, he's got more room to grow. I guess I shouldn't say higher ceiling, but more room to yeah, grow. Yeah, exactly. More room to I'm, grow is definitely a better way yeah. to put it because he's yeah. 21 years old. Yeah, exactly. You know, so <laughs> you would like to think that he has not hit his his peak or anything where buddy yeah. look you could probably say it would surprise people if buddy got better from here on out yeah for sure and i think i mean buddy's got the game that transitions well moving forward so mm-hmm. it does make sense to be interested in him but i think he's best suited as a six man moving forward for this team if i'm if i'm being honest i, I think so and i think it's something that needs to happen because if the pacers are really gonna Look, how long is Matherin going to be happy off the bench? I, I just feel like what more could he have really done? I know he's been awesome this year, and you haven't heard him complain about it at all, but it's year one. Mm-hmm. If if all of a sudden Buddy Heald's to get a contract extension and remain the starter, and you can't get Matherin in the starting lineup, yeah, you know, he might not be too thrilled for years to come. But I think if Buddy accepts a bench role, a lot can work out with this team. For sure, Fachi. Let's move on to the next question. All right, question number three. We have Chris Weech. She said... Alex, where is your favorite place to sit at Gamebridge Fieldhouse? When you get tickets, is there a particular area you find yourself trying for? Bonus, go-to snack at Gamebridge. Well, you already know my go-to snack is probably a Ben's pretzel. But if you're looking for some, like, killer wings, Fachi, the wings that we got that night, Mm -hmm. they're pretty good. So I would say that. There's obviously Chick-fil-A in there. There's Steak and Shake. Shakes are there. I mean, I'm just telling you, it's hard to pass up on a Ben's pretzel. But – with the diet that I've been on, Fachi, I don't know if I could handle a Ben's pretzel anymore. I mean, I'd probably be able to eat half of it. But that pretzel full. was big. <laughs> so that's where that is. Now, personally for me, if I'm going to enjoy a game, I like sitting in the club level, which is the mid-level. The seats are a little bit bigger, and it's a, a side view of the court. I don't like really sitting behind the basket too much. It's okay. The corners are are fine. But I would say if you can get a, a, a seat where you can kind of see the court fully without like having to turn your head a lot, it's got to be the club level seats in the middle section. So that that's where I would tend to lean if I'm going to buy tickets. But some of the tickets that I've been blessed to to get for free have been behind the basket, and some other ones have been on the like close up on the sideline, Fachi. So I've liked those a lot too. But I'm usually a club level guy just for the reasons I said. Hey, can't go wrong. Club level, better food options as well. Yeah. Uh, when you and I went to the game, I mean, look, again, the Nuggets game in November, those wings were awesome. Yeah. Love the wings. I think they were like some Thai chili type Thai thing. chili, yeah. Can't go wrong with that. The pretzel was extra soft, very good. Um, but in terms of the seats, I would say I've always been a lower level kind of towards the corner. Uh, you get like behind the, the Pacers benches where I've always tried to sit. Yeah, you know, sometimes you get some good interaction with some players, or you could hear a little bit more of the conversation. Plus, it's 
much better value for your money compared to sitting mid-court. Those are going to be some of the most expensive seats out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've always found just a little bit more towards the left, closer to the Pacers bench, always great options. And when I was when I was younger and I was always hunting autographs from the players, that was the perfect spot to be at. So a yeah. younger me was always sitting there no matter what. It, it depends on what you're wanting to get out of your experience, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're really wanting to get like that inside feel of like what really happens on the bench and stuff like that, then I agree. Sit behind the Pacers bench. And if you look over to your right, <laughs> that's where the front office sits. And you can kind of see their reactions. I know, you know, Kevin Pritchard, I think in that Nuggets game, like ran down the steps <laughs> yeah. onto the floor and he's throwing his hands up sometimes. I mean, so it's, it's interesting to see their reactions. And thankfully with the seats we had, which were a little bit behind the basket, Fachi, when we went, we were able to see those reactions from KP in the, in the front office. Now I'll say this, I'll say Ted Wu and Chad Buchanan are pretty low key, but, but KP is not afraid to show some expression there. So I love that, but uh, ready to move on to the next question that I am. All right, let's uh, go here. Kevin Cheney said between Neesmith, Nawara, O'Shea, Duarte, Jackson, and Smith. Who's here long-term and who's a real trade piece? I think this is a great question. Long-term, I'd say Neesmith. I think he took a solid step forward. And I feel like he serves like a major need for this team as a 3 and D guy. He took on a lot of the toughest defensive matchups on this year. So I definitely want to give him credit and think that he is a, a piece of this team moving forward. Jordan Wara, I loved what I saw. I, I think that he took a, a great leap forward. He's now, as a pacer, averaging 12 points per game on nearly 50% shooting. He's He's been a, a nice pickup, only under contract for one more year, uh, but I would like to see him long-term. Then I, I feel like Chris Duarte, Isaiah Jackson, ah, I just don't know. I mean, Duarte, I would say for sure, I see as more of a trade piece. Yeah. I think he's probably the most likely trade piece. And then O'Shea, I see walking in free agency. Unfortunately, I just don't think the Pacers have uh, emphasized him as much in a contract year. And Jalen Smith is one that very well, I think, could be traded as well. This is just not what anyone expected this year. And if he's not getting the playing time that that he wants, hopefully the Pacers will do right by him and trade him to a place where he can play more. Yeah, this is a tough one here because I could see Neesmith being a trade piece too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because he's good. played well in Indiana, but I think he fits this culture pretty well. So I'll say he's probably a long-term piece more than anybody on this list right here. I would say next in terms of my long-term pieces, I would probably say Isaiah Jackson, just because I think they believe in his upside. I would say next. Now you're really just uh, throwing darts at a dartboard here, Fachi, in terms of you know long-term fits because O'Shea Brissett, it's a great point you brought up. They haven't really emphasized him, but he's really good friends with Tyrese Halliburton, and making your star happy matters. So if O'Shea wants to come back and take a lesser role again because he's close to Tyrese, then maybe that's what happens. But if O'Shea can go somewhere else to get a better opportunity, then I think that's what might happen in free agency. I'd be, I think Toronto actually could make some sense for O'Shea, but started you know, there initially. Yeah. Yeah, so I could see him going back there. I think Duarte is a trade chip for sure. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I don't think he's a long-term piece here just because of all the guards we have. And with like we talked about with Jalen Smith earlier, it's just like I don't know how much value he has, Foch, as a trade piece. Not a big contract, pretty young, but very inconsistent in terms of like his role. I think your best trade chips are Jackson and Duarte, with Neesmith probably being third, and I think – uh, long-term pieces is probably Neesmith and then Jackson, but 
Uh, Jordan Moore is an interesting player, Fachi, because he's shown some flashes. I like the size. Don't love the defense, but I don't hate it. It's not like been awful. I think Jordan Moore is a player. I'm trying to say this the right way. I think he's a player that can fit with this team long term. I just don't know if there's going to be enough playing time. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because this is like that classic. I feel like he's doing what Jalen Smith was doing last year yep. where, you know, the trade deadline, this is someone who steps into a new role, is producing. You're like, oh, my God, wow, the future looks so bright. And then next year when you add other pieces to this team and maybe everyone's healthy and there's a little bit more depth at the three or wing spot, it feels like things could be tougher. But for, for this year, he's been an awesome pickup. Uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, maybe he plays himself out of the Pacers range where they really feel comfortable. And next year, his contract's like right around $4 million, I believe. So I, I feel like we'll see what happens past next year. But for right now, I think the Pacers are, are happy with what they got. And there's no need to really look to flip him again. Let's let's see what he can do in a full season in Indiana. Yeah, I mean, he'll be an expiring contract. So if they do make a trade, I think he could be involved in a bigger one, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, let's just say they do try to make a trade for OG and Anobi, and they want to do some type of trade with Chris Duarte as the main focal point of that. They can probably include Jordan War in that because he's an expiring and he's a player that has intrigue. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. That, that's kind of where I see him at, being a guy that can be combined in salary with with, uh, with another player. But let's go ahead and move on. All right, next question. We have Jake X-Line said, what have you been most impressed with this season? And what have you been most disappointed with this season? Yeah, I would say most impressed. I'm, I'm going to go with the rookies, Fachi. I think that Andrew Nimhard and Benedict Mathern have stepped up huge and made an immediate impact on this team. I mean, you talked about it. They're a lock for our top four for guys we'd want to keep off the five uh, out of five for this season. So, like, they've been fantastic. I think you have a lot of building blocks with these two players. I think they fit this organization well, and, and that to me is what's been awesome. I think the thing I've been most disappointed with, probably the regression of last year's draft class. Isaiah Jackson, and Chris Duarte. Now, unfortunately, Chris Duarte had the ankle injury, and I think that did throw him off a little bit. But even before that, he just felt like a guy that was a misfit. And Isaiah Jackson wasn't able to get playing time. So to me, like, while we've had some wins, we've had some losses, and it's been a fun season, I think, personally, you just have to go with the most disappointing has just got to be the development, I guess you could say, or the growth we've yet to really see from the guys we had last year. I am right with you. The rookies have impressed us the most. We knew Matherin was good. He didn't know he was this good. From the very jump, it was like, oh, my God. It took it took maybe a game or two. And it's like, this guy's special. He really is. And then Nemhard, I mean, we, I'd say he probably came in with the least expectations and surpassed them. But his, I want to say his first game did not play coach's decision. And then right after that, he took off. So he's been a, a real good defender. And I think he's shown a ton on offense at times. The game winner against the Lakers I, in LeBron's face. I mean, there's been a bunch of moments. But next, I would say I was also very impressed with the leap Miles Turner took offensively. Yep. At times, it was like this man looked extra confident. I mean, he had some big games this year. And there's still time left that he could still have some more. Uh, but I would say, and at one point I felt like, am I slighting Tyrese Halliburton by not mentioning him? But <laughs> we already knew Halliburton was good. He just took his game to the next level. So that's been great to see. But as it relates to disappointment, I'm right with you. It's last year's draft class, and specifically Chris Duarte. Duarte was so good last year, 
I mean, we think about 27 points on opening night. We think about, you know, how, how just if he didn't get hurt, how he's an all-rookie first team and just felt like he would take that leap. Instead of a leap, he, he took a solid step back. And I know that was, A, the ankle injury, B, by bringing in a guy like Benedict Matherin, Andrew Nemhard, having them, you know, take up more playing time with, with Buddy Heald still being, you know, a starter playing around 30 minutes. But then for Isaiah Jackson, I thought he was going to add to his game. It At one point, we were talking about, hey, if he adds a three-point shot, but, like, what about just a shot? What about, mm-hmm. you know, a, a free-throw line jumper, anything, maybe a six-footer, something of, of that sort. So I think that that's been tough. And then lastly, Jalen Smith. I mean, we <laughs> yeah. talked about that this, this was a major win just to get him to re-sign with the Pacers that already felt like it was like, yes, the basketball gods shining upon us. We named him the starting four and that was short lived before he was actually just out of the rotation completely. So I I think that that was kind of the the major disappointment. I think Duarte is probably most disappointing for me than Mm. Jalen Smith, then probably Isaiah Jackson. Yeah. I mean, they're all, they're all right there hitting the nail on the head. I mean, it's just, it's tough. I think that Chris Duarte, just thinking about when he got drafted and then thinking about the players they brought in, Buddy Hill, you know, traded for him, traded for Tyrese. Then you get two more guards in the draft, and then you trade for Aaron Neesmith. He really just – he kind of got put in a tough situation where he had to compete for his minutes. And then he got hurt, and everybody else started stepping up while he was out. So he just kind of got the short end of the the stick there, Foch, and I don't think it was necessarily his fault. I just feel like, too, which we talked about a little bit, his fit in terms of his style of play compared to the other guys, I just don't think long-term that makes a lot of sense. It's true. It's true. So let's move on. Next question. This one comes from Randall Wood. He said, outside of the obvious four, Halliburton, Mather, and Nimhart, and Turner, which three players would you keep going in the next season? So another similar question. I love how he in specifically mentioned the four that we said are locks. So that definitely confirms that. Um, look, Aaron Neesmith, he's taken on the toughest battles all year. I feel like I, I call him the X factor uh, at times for this Pacers team. When he had been putting up 15 or more, it just makes us that much more dangerous. Um, like what I've seen at Jordan Wara mentioned earlier, 12 points per game, 50% shooting, 38% from three. Uh, I'm, I'm excited about that. He's just 24 years old. And then lastly, I'm going with Isaiah Jackson. He's just 21 years old. I do feel that he will get better. Um, but it's like next year feels kind of like a make or break year of just if he'll ever really reach his full potential. Yeah, I think I have to agree with those spots. I mean, if you're looking at the other young players, it's Duarte and Jalen Smith. And while we both think that Jalen Smith makes more sense as the backup center, I think that you don't have as much value in him either. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So it's, 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 it's kind of a weird conversation. Cause I feel like I'm talking on both sides of the coin here. I'm like, okay, you know, it's like, Part of me likes Isaiah Jackson's potential more than Jalen's, but at least I know with Jalen what I'm going to get. I'm going to get a good shot blocker, a better rebounder than Isaiah Jackson, a guy that's got a little bit more potential outside on the perimeter to shoot, and a guy that's got better hands, in my opinion. Now, I think Isaiah Jackson is by far the best leaper on this team, and I think by his far. defensive upside is really impressive. I think, which we've talked about this with multiple different guests, and we talked about it ourselves, Like not being able to see Isaiah play the forward all with Miles has been a little bit sad because I wanted to see that more. I want to see a larger sample size of that. But yeah, I understand. I mean, it's just, I think you have to put Isaiah in there just because he's only 21. Neesmith because of his fit. And then of course, 
I just think with Jordan Wara, his three point shooting and his size, that's hard to that's hard to pass up on. It really is. I, I'm just I'm very much in love with that trade that we made. It just felt like such a low risk move that I don't think we could have even expected Noir to be like this. I felt like we all knew, hey, this guy's been kind of buried on the Bucks, hard to come by minutes on a championship contender. But at just 24 years old and under contract next year, it's a, I'm excited to see that what he can do when he's more comfortable in this offense. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Fine, you ready to move on? Ready to move on. Samuel Colbertson said, let's say the Clippers get beat in the first round or something, and they want to break up the team after this year. What's the chances we could get PG-13 back, and do you think he would even be interested? Loaded question here, Sam. Uh, Yeah, Fachi, I think that when I brought this up last time, it was like a pipe dream type of thing. Yep. I think it's kind of been out there in the ether a little bit just because of his relationship with Tyrese Halliburton. Halliburton saying that, you know, Paul called him whenever he got traded here and told him how great Indiana was and how good the people are. Look, I don't think that Paul would be eager to come back to Indiana, but I don't think he would hate it if he got traded here just because he'd be able to play with Tyrese. I think having a point guard like that, he's never had a point guard like that in his career. He's played with Russell Westbrook, who's a totally different guy, but Tyrese is the guy that's going to find somebody. And I think Tyrese is enough of a leader that Paul wouldn't have to be the leader because that's not his natural uh, characteristic. He's just not a, a natural born leader. So I think that he could come back here Make things right with Indiana. It does seem like a fairy tale story, Vach. You come back, make things right, help the Pacers get, you know, to a to an Eastern Conference run, be our best perimeter defender, be a shot maker, you know, let Tyrese kind of lead the way. I think that it does make a lot of sense on paper and, and it can sound really good in your head, but I just don't think the Clippers number one would trade him to Indiana because there's probably a lot better packages out there. Look, the Pacers don't have much to offer in, in terms of like players to give up. That is going to be really intriguing to, to people because we looked at our top four. I'm sorry, Fachi, but outside of Halliburton and Mathern, does anybody move the needle for you out of our top four in a trade? No. For I Paul mean, George? No. So. Like they're not going to make a trade centered around Miles Turner. Like, no offense, yeah. but it's just that's not where the Clippers are at. Yeah, you're not going to trade Nimhard, uh, Neesmith. Chris Duarte and four picks and get Paul George. I mean, I, I just think that's far-fetched in my personal opinion because I think the Clippers want to try to be more competitive. So personally for me, I don't think it happens. I think that Paul wouldn't want to come back here if he had the choice, but I don't think that this would be like the worst spot to go to if he did get traded. No, look, he, he would rather go to the Pacers than a handful of other teams, but I think this is more of like a trade that you make in, in 2K or something like this because I don't think this has happened in real life. Paul George at this point wants to win a ring very badly. He's even admitted that he knows he can't be the guy, which is why he feels he's in a perfect spot alongside Kawhi. But they also gave up between pick swaps, future picks. I think it was like seven first-round picks and Shea Gilgis-Alexander for Paul George. So if the Pacers were to make a move, it would take a very big offer. And Paul George is a few years older and quite a few years older than the last time we saw him. Very good player still. And I think this relationship with the Pacers, at least from a distance, sounds better. It sounds like it's healing a bit compared to like the way he talked about us, you know, two, three years ago. But I don't think this ever really materializes again. The man is LA, you know, born and raised. He's got a family over there. I think he's probably 
happy, but I think that if he's going to go anywhere else, I think he's going to want to go to a contender. Now, the Pacers, with Paul George, could be you know contending, but I, I think that and they could send Paul George anywhere they want. But I don't, I don't think that this is ever going to happen. I think it's more of just a fantasy. And, Sam, I'm with you. I would love Paul George coming back to the Pacers. That would be an amazing story. He's just what we need. But what would we be left with after we traded for him at that point? I, I just don't see it happening. I'm I'm right there with you, Fachi. So let's go ahead and move on to our last question of part one of the mailbag. This one comes from Zachary Barnett. He said, who do you think is going to get the streaming rights with Valley Sports going under? I think this is a perfect question for you, Alex, because you're in the, the <laughs> you're in the local market. I'm an NBA league pass guy living out of market. So for me, I'm I'm just gonna have to leave that to you. I mean, it was Fox Sports before. I, I don't think Fox Sports Regional is coming back. Looking at other um other teams that have like regional sports, I think like Sacramento, I'm pretty sure Chicago. And maybe Boston. Maybe there's another team I'm forgetting, but they are with NBC, Fachi. So that wouldn't surprise me if NBC became like the main one for a lot of these regional sports. I honestly don't know. If you look online, it's very confusing. Like some people say Apple could be in the mix for some NBA games, potentially Amazon vying for NBA streaming rights. So it's uh, it's going to be difficult. But NBC makes a lot of sense. CNBC, they, they're the same thing as NBC. So... They're they're interested in getting into more NBA games, but I'm thinking this is more like na- like national games and not like regional stuff. Mm-hmm. So whoever buys out Bally, if they go under, if somebody takes over, I mean, it probably is somebody we're not even thinking of right now, but with the way things have gone, I mean, maybe we can ask Chris Denary this when we have him on later this week, Fachi, <laughs> you know, yep. see if he has any idea, but uh, maybe he can't talk about that as well, just because, uh, you know, doing broadcast form right now, but it's a tough one. I, I, I'm looking at an athletic article here right now, Flatchy, and it says, what the Bally Sports Saga means for NBA, NHL, MLB broadcasts, all you need to know. I would go check that article out. It's by Bill Shea and Daniel Kaplan. So if you want to get really good insight on that, check that article out because I'm probably not going to be the guy to give it to you. Yeah, I would not be the guy either. So I'd say, uh, you know, break out that article and then see what it says. <laughs> Absolutely. And Daniel Kaplan is on Twitter as well at Kaplan Sports Biz. So he is getting free publicity here, Fachi. Uh, that is all I will say about that. But Fachi, you want to go ahead and let people know where they can find us at on social media? Absolutely. So you could find us on Twitter at setting the pace three. You could find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F A C C I. You could find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook, setting the pace. You can find us on TikTok, setting the pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Go to youtube.com slash setting the pace at Pacers Podcast. Subscribe, like our videos, let us know what you think. Leave some comments for us in the videos and let us know what you thought of our conversations that we have on there. And if you haven't already, like I said earlier in the episode, subscribe to our Substack at settingthepacepodcast.substack.com for all of our written content and this part one of the mailbag will be combined with part two on our articles there but Fachi, if you're excited for the pacers to get back in action thursday night against the milwaukee bucks then hit me with those three words let's go pacers setting the pace going to the top setting the pace going to the top this is your number one podcast sweeping every team we gonna need a mop smooth